So um, what, what I do on Saturdays is I just go over and over and over my message, trying to make it where I don't have to look down much, where I've really got the ideas and I want to communicate to you. And, and so yesterday I was doing that, and I was, um, I was really having a hard time. And uh, I just kind of had this, this feeling in my gut that I wasn't supposed to preach what I was going to preach. And I kind of knew that earlier in the week. And, uh, and because we were going to a conference and the week was short, I went ahead and did stuff that, you know, I, I got a little bit of too much bass in mind, Joe. Um, there was um, just a short amount of time. So I went ahead and did it. I printed listening guides. And at 7 o'clock last night, I almost threw up as I was going through this and and I just I, I've never heard God speak in an audible voice, but God puts stuff either in my gut or in my mind, and and God said, "Are you going to listen? Because you're not going to like it if you don't obey me." So, uh, so I said, "All right, God, this is on you." Because I I'm not I, I I totally changed everything from seven o'clock last night until. Uh, finished about 9.30 this morning, so I'm just amazed that you have listening guides and all that stuff, because I was just going to give you the old ones and have you wad them up and throw them in the trash, you know, just symbolically. Um, but God did say that I could preach that sermon next week, so uh, that I'll finish up there. Here, here's here's what, I, what God was impressing upon me, that um, I just need to share some things about why I do compassion, why I sponsor a child, and... Um, and then just kind of give you some thoughts from the scripture that, that God impressed upon me. Um, guests, welcome today. We're glad you're here. Uh, a special day that we've been looking forward to for some time. And uh, I think you'll understand more as, as this service progresses. Last night, I decided to get on Compassion website. And uh, this was after I became obedient to the Lord. And um, I just, I'd never told my compassion child the story of how I, I had started sponsoring him. Uh, a couple years ago, we were at a conference, and uh, anyway, I, I wrote a letter to him. The cool thing about compassion now, they've got a website where you can go and you can log in, and it has your sponsor number, it has your child, it pops up pictures of your child. And so I even picked out, you know, it says, pick out a little thing. So I picked out a little soccer ball, because Gilbert, my, my child, is 11 years old. He'll be um, 12 next year. And um, so anyway, uh, I decided to write him a letter and explain it, and I thought I would share that letter with you. Gilbert, I pray that all is well with you. On Sunday, May 5th, I'm going to preach about compassion and ask members of my church to sponsor children like you. Two years ago, I was at a conference in Dallas, Texas. Uh, that's about two hours' drive from where I live. We heard about children who needed sponsors, and I began to pray and ask God to show me if I should be one of those sponsors. Volunteers went throughout the room and handed out packets to everyone who wanted one. When I received your packet, I saw your name and I started to pray for you. And then I saw your birthday, January 27th. My only son, Caleb, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to lose it several times during this, uh, this deal today. My only son, Caleb, was born on January 27th, 1995. And he's a fine young man who plays drums in our worship band and serves in our church, New Life Community Church, teaching children your age about God's love for them. I believe that, that having folks go through and hand out those, those packets to those who were in attendance at this conference was, was God showing me that I needed to get in life, involved in the life of a young man named Gilbert who lives thousands of miles from me. I want you to know that I pray for you often. Every time I think of my son's birthday, I remember you and I say a prayer for you. Please write me and tell me if you've ever asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. I know you hear about God's love from, for you from the project. But I'm curious, have you ever been adopted into God's family? 
Please tell your family that I'm praying for them, that God will bless them and provide everything that they need in life. Have a great day, and I hope to hear from you soon. Um, what Compassion does is they partner with local churches. They, they do not go into a, uh, a community unless there's a church there where they can uh, send funds and they train people. And so um, I got a letter from, from Gilbert's pastor, the pastor of the project, and I'm just going to read you a little bit of this. Uh, we greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has made us partakers of his divine nature. I am Reverend Isaac Ni Comente Come, pastor in charge. <laughs> I'm sure that's how you pronounce it. Um, uh, and I'm the pastor who works uh, with the Fountain of Love Child Development Center, where your sponsored child, Gilbert Okoto, Gilbert attends in greater Accra region of Ghana. Many of the poor and needy children have a hope have a hope of a good future through sponsorship and unforgettable support. Potentials are being identified, and we believe that children will grow to fulfill their God-given destiny and the desires of the partnership of compassion. Many souls have been won for Christ through the kindness shown to the children, and the physical appearance of these children has greatly improved. The cases of poor growth uh, and deficiencies due to poor dieting are now history. Not forgetting um, the surgeries and the frequent health checks on the children... Uh, through which many lives have been saved, we once again say we are grateful. Our sponsors' enormous support left praises on the lips of both children and parents in the church and community. In order to reduce illiteracy rate and also to build the community with intellectuals, with intellectuals, I like that, the extra tuitions are ongoing and the classrooms project aimed at accommodating children who have no taste of education is yet to, uh, is yet to be a dream come true. Many parents are flocking to the church through the kindness shown to their children. Children can now read on their own or are doing very well in school. Our community now holds in the highest esteem the partnership of compassion and the church. We keep reminding them that behind all these good works are our wonderful sponsors like you. We have affected our community, yet there is so much working against um, the development of children within our area of operation. Prominent among these problems are poverty and diseases. Illiteracy is rated high and with its attendant social vices. Social vices. Notwithstanding, the church is committed to the task of caring for these vulnerable children. We cannot do anything meaningful for these children without the support from our cherished sponsors. Sponsorship is a very necessary part of our operations, without which we could never run this project. Sponsorship is the main source of funding for the four developmental areas of a child, and for this reason, we cannot do without our sponsors whose hearts the Lord has stirred to support our children. I've got a couple of letters here from Gilbert and... and uh, and, you know, I've been really convicted because, um, you know, with this conference, they, they really push um, compassion. And I've had Gilbert for a couple of years, and, and uh, I'm not in a position right now to add another, but, but someday I want to have 10 compassion children that I'm sponsoring around the world. Um, and as God continues to bless my life, I'm going to turn around and try to be a blessing to others because God never blesses you just for you. He blesses you for someone else. And uh, there's, a, there's a table out back where there's got some kids. And I'm going to explain more before we even let you go back out there. But one of the things that's back there is a financial accountability report. And um, Compassion has one of the highest rated integrity reports in the world. When you go someplace and, and you see the name Compassion on a tent or on a banner or something, everybody in that community has, holds in very high regard Compassion because of what they do. And you heard parents are coming to church because their children are dragging them there and because they see a better life for their kids. So let me just kind of share with you a biblical basis for what I do and what I see our church doing. And, uh, and you can take that and you can do with it whatever you want to. I don't care. It's between you and God. 
Uh, just going to share some verses that, that have been on my mind. Um, first is Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is one of the last things that Jesus said to his followers before he ascended. In fact, it says that right after that, that he ascends. While they're standing there watching him, he ascends into heaven, and all of them are kind of dumbfounded. And then a couple of angels show up, and they said, Dudes, why are you watching him go up into heaven? Just as you've seen him go, he's going to come back. In the meantime, get to work. And so Jesus told them, You're not just supposed to do Jerusalem. Palestine is our Jerusalem. But he said... Uh, Judea, which is the state. And then he said Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. So we're supposed to go everywhere. And, and we're a small church in East Texas. How do we do that? Well, we do it a couple of ways. One is we go to Haiti every year. Um, first year went to Haiti and, and I, I was praying. Four years ago when the earthquake hit, I was actually doing Experiencing God, the study, trying to figure out what God wanted us to do as a church. And for years, it had been tugging on my heart that we've got to get out of just this little cocoon that it's us and no one else. And I know we've done things around town. That's not what I'm talking about. We've got to be a mobile, global missions center from right here in East Texas. And so we went down there. We took 12 of us that first year, and, and I was praying the whole time. And I fell in love with the country. When we got off the plane, when we, when we saw what was going on, this, this video you saw uh, earlier, the Compassion video, was actually filmed in the Dominican Republic. The Dominican shares an island with Haiti. So these, these scenes are exactly what we see when we go into Haiti every year, the, the living conditions, the utter poverty. I've never been to a country that's more poor than, than Haiti is. And so when we went, we flew in, and we were overwhelmed with the unbelievable devastation. And we got kind of a history lesson on Haiti, and we got talking about different things. And, and we learned that Haiti has always been this poor, even before the earthquake. The earthquake just brought attention to them. The first year, we're, we're actually literally riding around in buses, and there's still rubble on cars. There's still rubble around that they say, oh, there's still bodies in there that we've not recovered. And when we got on the bus the first day, we, we drove in silence for five, ten minutes, could not believe the conditions that we saw. And so I think it was Thursday night, we were sitting around. I see Eula right there. Eula was on that trip. We were sitting around. I said, hey, gang. I feel like we're supposed to come back, and, and everybody in the group, whether they came back or not, everyone in the group says, we've got to keep coming because we've got to reach out to folks. So that's one of the ways we, we reach out, and we're a, a global mission center, is, is to go to Haiti every year. But another thing that we do is, is several of us support a compassion child. And, and I hadn't even told my family this. When I was sitting at the conference this week, God just overwhelmed me that, there's, that, that if, if he allows me to, if he allows me to live long enough, there's got to be a day that I'm going to go meet Gilbert face-to-face -face in Ghana. I don't know how that's going to happen because I was looking on the Compassion website and, and uh, there's a Ghana trip. $4,500 to go on, on this Ghana trip. And, uh, and I don't know. But anyway, um, I just told the Lord, okay, if you give me opportunity, I want to go. Because when we go to this conference, we hear from different people. And there was a young man who stood up and, and talked about his life and how sponsorship had changed him. And, um, and, and he said... He said, I got married just a, a little while ago. You know who his best man was? His compassion sponsor. And I said, oh, wow. The difference you can make with 38 bucks a month. Um, so anyway, you're going to see some more stuff here in a minute. But, but we cannot, we cannot be focused just here. 
You cannot be a fully devoted follower of Christ and not carry out the commands of Christ. The command of Christ, it's not a suggestion. It's not a, if you have nothing better to do. God says, I want you to prioritize my kingdom and I want you to go everywhere. And we can't do it all. So, you know, we've talked about this before. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. So we've focused on Haiti, but there may be some of you. And, and, and as nicely as I can say this, Don't gripe about Haiti if you don't want to go to Haiti. If God's called you to go somewhere else, get your butt to that country and take somebody from our church. We're not competing. We're on the same team. But I'm just... I'm going to get fired up. (laughs) Stop throwing stones at people that are in the arena doing something. If you're called to go somewhere else, go somewhere else. And I, I mean to another country. I've heard, I've heard Mexico, I've heard Asia, I've heard Africa. I've, I've heard people in our church say that. Oh, I just feel I'm called to go to Africa, so I'm not going to go to Haiti. Yay! Don't go to Haiti, but get off your butt and go somewhere. What are you doing for the kingdom besides saying, well, I'm not going to Haiti. James 1.27, the half-brother of Jesus says this, Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. Is that on your listening guides? I can't remember. You'll have to forgive me. So I want you to circle homeless, loveless, and guard against corruption. James was saying, if you want to know what is pure in God's eyes... The way we do church, it's not ritual. They were real good at ritual. We've been in churches, all of us have been in churches real good at ritual. And James says, ritual means nothing to God the Father. What means something to Him is action. Right action. And so he says, homeless, there's folks in Haiti that are living in tents. Have been for four years since the, uh, since the earthquake. Some of, them, some of them, including Pastor Samson, who will be here at the end of the month. Pastor Samson told me that, that people were so afraid to go into brick structures that he and his family actually lived in a tent for six months because they were afraid to go back in the building. Everybody in the country was afraid it was going to happen again and they were going to die. Pastor Samson was going to a meeting of, of pastors where he teaches. This guy has an unbelievable schedule. I can't keep up with him. He gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning. He does two or three radio shows. He teaches pastors. He has a school uh, that has 1,000 students that meet in his church. Um, he has a nursing school where there's another 100 people. He's got a, uh, a theology uh, school where there's another 100 people. And then he, he runs around and does stuff for the, for the, the mission group, um, MEBSH, Missionary Evangelical Baptists of Southern Haiti. And, and so he runs all over the country, and he comes to the United States. I just couldn't keep up with this guy, but he was telling me that on the day of the earthquake, he was going to meet with a group of pastors to teach them. He's all about helping the next generation. They've started so many churches. I can't even remember how many churches Pastor Samson has started, and, and they're going to have this big uh, gathering this August, and, and they'll have about seven to 8,000 people packed in this place where there's not room for seven to 8,000 people, and Pastor Samson's asked me to come preach it. And I'm like... Wow, dude. And I have no idea how to preach to these people. Not because I don't love them, because I do. I told Pastor Samson, I said, I'm just white on the outside. I I got some Haitian blood beaten in there because God has made me fall in love with you in this country. And, uh, And you can pray for me about that. 
But, but he was going to teach some pastors, and, and he's never late. This man's never late. This particular day, he was late. He had some kind of car issue. He's late. He pulls up to the gate where he's supposed to go into the complex. There's a, a two- or three-story building. I don't remember what he said. But on the second or third story were 20 to 30 pastors that he was supposed to be teaching that day. Earthquake hit. He watched the building crumble, and he watched his friends die. And so... <laughs> We have, it, we have it so easy in this country. We think we have problems. I'll talk more about that next week. We're going to talk about the life of Paul. And one of the things, you don't, want to, you don't want to be the person that stands up and gives your testimony before Paul stands up and gives his testimony from the, from the New Testament. You don't want to go, oh, my troubles, this is my troubles. Wait till you hear what Paul went through. But anyway, that's next week. So the Christian life is all about reaching out to others who are less fortunate than us. And, and sharing the message of Christ with them. So how are we going to do that? All right, I better get moving. Three things that you're going to have to remember. Number one, all people matter to God. All people matter to God. John 3.16, you all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I cannot imagine giving my son for someone else. I'm sorry, I... I I couldn't do it. But it teaches me about the Father's love for you and me. And it helps me understand that, that God loves me and He loves everybody. You've never looked into the eyes of a person who does not matter to God. And some of those people that, that tick you off, they, they may not matter to you, but they matter to God. How many people did Jesus treat like dirt? Zero. Even, even the Pharisees... He confronted them, but he didn't treat them like dirt. He just said, you're missing it. And this is why. So everybody matters to God. Second thing you've got to remember is Christians are the light of the world. Okay. Sinuses, allergies are about to kick in. This is awesome. Christians are the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14. Jesus is talking. This is from his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mountain. He says, you're here. He's talking to, to people in the kingdom. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. This is the message translation. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. Every time I read this verse, I start thinking about new life. Because when I tell people how to get to our church, you know, it's two miles uh, from the loop. But I tell folks, it's a half a mile outside the city limits. You go down a hill, and then you come to the top of the hill. When you come to the top of the hill, look, at your, look to your right, and that's where new life is. And uh, we actually had somebody make it here this week. Usually they don't, because they put it into GPS. We say, don't put it into GPS, because it's going to send you to Greenbrier Nursing Home, because then we repeat. We're, we're one of those great, smart East Texas towns that repeats numbers on the same highway, just a half mile apart. So anyway, people normally call me and say, where is it? You know, anyway, they're at Greenbrier, but he shows up here, and I was like, yes, you did it. Every time I tell people about it, I think about God strategically placed new life here on the top of this hill, and we can look and we can see the city. And that city is supposed to be our primary concern. But, but we're also supposed to reach out beyond that city. Because some of you drive a pretty good distance to, to get here. We used to say Palestine, then we said Anderson County, and then we said within driving distance. Um, and, and it's even more than that, though. We're supposed to reach the world. And so we're, we're a light on, on a hill. Jesus said, I put you on that hill for the world to see, not to cover stuff up. And, and here's what I want to tell you. If you're not serving in the kingdom, that's here at church and outside the walls. If you're not serving, your wattage is low. How brightly you shine and, and reflect the glory of God 
is dependent on how you serve people. Jesus, God's son, said, I didn't come to be served but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. If you want to know what you're supposed to do as a Christ follower, serve and give your life as a ransom for many. We weren't created just to take up space, become excess baggage, to make money, to accumulate. We were created for service. Ephesians 2.10 says, It is God himself who made us what we are and has given us new lives from Christ Jesus. Long ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. Spend lives in helping others. And I'm not talking about the servanthood where you volunteer for a task in the church or a ministry. I'm not talking about where, oh, I'll serve one Sunday out of the month and that's service, or I'll serve one month out of the year and that's service. I'm talking about where this becomes a lifestyle, where people look at you and they say, you're different than everybody else I know. Why? And you say, the love of God compels me. When, when you see somebody and, and you need to stop and you help, and they ask, why would you possibly do that? Your only answer is, God has done for me. I have no choice but to do for others. Who are you being light for? Who are you reaching out to? Matthew 25, 35 through 40 says this. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing it to me. And if you know this passage, you know that then others are going to say, uh, God's going to say to them, you didn't serve me, you didn't clothe me, you didn't do that. And they're going, Lord, when did we not do that? And he says, when you ignored people, you didn't do it to me. And so God says this lifestyle needs to be such that we're known for helping others. And, and, and I know we got single moms, we got all kinds of different situations here, and we got people with zero money. It doesn't necessarily have to be money. But learn how to serve others, and you'll grow in the kingdom of God. God promises that he'll bless you for that. And I, just, I went through, and I just kind of did a, a search on the word poor, and here's just a couple of verses that, that jumped out at me, and I thought I was supposed to share. Proverbs nineteen seventeen says, Be, Being kind to the poor is like lending to the Lord. He will reward you for what you've done. God sees every act of kindness. And I actually had a, a guy tell me that we were wasting our money going to Haiti. And, and I didn't say it, but I thought, man, I'm glad you're not God. Because the Bible tells me that, that God sees it all, and he will repay. Proverbs 28, 27 says, Whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to poverty will be cursed. All I'm doing here is, is telling you what God says to you. How you respond to that is, is between you and God. And... Uh, I wanted to show you the video from Haiti last year. We showed one last week, but this is, this is the one. I cannot hear this song. I cannot see these children without losing it. Because the song, Alex did this. It was, it's fabulous. He picked out the song, and the song is Build Us Back. And there's a part in here where the children are singing, and it's just incredible. Watch this. That little boy at the end is Joadney. Uh, a couple years ago, we just clicked, and so he comes and finds me. 
And I would be standing in the bucket line, and he'd just come up and grab my hand. I don't have a clue what he was saying. He didn't have a clue what I was saying. But he was my friend. And I can't wait to go back and see him again. Uh, The last point is everyone is slightly irregular. So look at your neighbor, look at somebody next to you and say, you're irregular. And then say, and so am I. According to Romans 3.10, it says this, Scripture leaves no doubt about it. There's nobody living right, not even one. No one's perfect. You have faults, and I do too. And, and when we just admit that, we've got some stuff. We, we try to be open about that around here, and we try to admit things to others, and we just try to be real. Um, and, and so I had a whole story here, but I'm not even going to go there. I don't think I'm supposed to right now. Um, what I want you to realize is your life is jacked up, my life is jacked up, but we live in a country where we are blessed beyond measure. And uh, I want you to see one last video before we wrap this deal up. And this was, this was a Catalyst conference several years ago in, in Atlanta. I didn't get to physically see this one because I had to make an a, uh, airport run, but James and Amanda, was Amanda in there too? James and Amanda were there and they saw this. Um, I, I don't even want to introduce it. You just watch. So Jimmy, your mother goes away just to try to find help. So now your father and your mother are not in the picture. Your situation is still very, very dire. But at the age of eight, something dramatic happened in your life. Share that with us. That was the April of 1990. And my mother came back. And that night she said to me, Jimmy, God loves you so much. I found some help somewhere. And tonight we shall be traveling 220 miles away from here in the direction of that hope. I remember when she came with new clothes for me, and as she was giving me a bath, she sobbed looking at how the poor health had ravaged my health. And so we got to this train, and for 12 hours we drove in the direction of that hope. And by the morning, we were at this compassion project in partnership with the local Baptist church. And that's why I got registered as a little boy. And Four months later, I received a letter, and please allow me to read it to you, because this defined the rest of my life, that who I am today. This letter is 19 years old, and says, Hello, Jimmy. My name is Mark, and I'm 20 years old. I'm glad to have the opportunity to have a friend in Kenya. I don't know anyone outside of Canada. The reason I'm writing to you is because of a really important friend we have. You see, when I was younger, I didn't know, really know about Jesus, who he was. But last year, some people taught me about a great friend named Jesus. My life has changed. I really love this world and the people within it, all because of God's love for me and you and everyone. So even though you are halfway through the world, I know that God loves you and cares for you. He mapped my whole vision for life. He mapped my whole vision for life in these few words. Because from then, my life is a different life. I'm at Moody Bible Institute right now, studying the Bible to go back to Kenya. 
to go back to Kenya and stand in the gap in the same way Mark Hells from Canada stood in the gap for me. My mother died six years later after the sponsorship. It is the same time I got saved and knew what my sponsor meant when he said there's a real good friend in Jesus Christ. Right now, I'm sponsoring a kid in Haiti. She's four years old. That's the time that I was intervened at, and I think that's the time that I need to intervene to a child and change the whole cause of their life. I am so grateful that compassion and through the ministry that they have across the world has changed my life and who I am. I'm ready to stand in the gap for many others who just need somebody to stand in the gap for them. Isn't that great? Here's a young man whose life was changed by the love of Christ being put in action through a young 20-year-old, and now he's standing in the gap and helping others. One question, have you ever talked to your sponsor? No. You have not? No. Well, would you like to meet him right now? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mark Hales, Jimmy's sponsor. You guys all right? I'm going to try to talk. Jimmy is so touched right now. Mark, here, let's just turn this way real quick, guys. Mark, first of all, thanks for coming. And, and Mark, I have to ask you right now, all these years of supporting Jimmy, what does this moment mean to you? I am absolutely in awe of God and of this fellow right here and what he has gone through. I just want to, what compels me is changing life stories. And uh, at the end of the month, Pastor Samson is going to be here. We're going to do a baptism service that day. And and there are going to be some people stand up here that locally have had their lives changed from Christ. And uh, you have an opportunity today. And and I don't I don't want this to be out of guilt because if you if you do it out of guilt then then you're going to be bitter towards me and God and this stupid church, and and so you know if you feel guilty about anything don't do it because guilt doesn't come from God, conviction comes from God. There's some there's some packets out back and and you can go. James has got a table set up back there, and uh, James has a, a child in in uh, Haiti that he gets to go see every year when we go to Haiti. 
Miss Eula, just a couple of weeks ago, she, uh, she got online and searched and found a, a child in Haiti, and she'll get to go see that, that child. And, and I have two here from Haiti, um, two little girls, and uh, they actually are from Care 4, which is the city where Pastor Samson's church in, where we stay uh, every year. And so, um, you know, we're, if, if folks are going on the trip, want these two girls from Haiti, that's cool. Right now, there aren't any others um, in the Compassion um, website. We ask them at the conference, and we've been on. You may be able to find some on the website. Uh, James will help you with that. But, but I just want you to, to stop and just to, to bow your heads for a minute. And I want you to say, God, what do you want me to do with what I've just heard? Father, may we be an obedient people. And may we be known as a church and individuals of compassion. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.